Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the True North CFL podcast. This is our Grey Cup episode. I'm your host, Jimmy Leach. You can follow me on Twitter at aka Jimmy Leach. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at TaylorCurrySK. And I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington. And uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're on Instagram at True North CFL Podcast, and we're on Twitter at True North CFL Pod. We're also on Spotify and YouTube. If you search True North CFL Podcast, you'll find us. So go follow us and uh, like our stuff and comment and uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Absolutely. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, follow the podcast, you know, share it with your friends, all that fun stuff. Now, we're going to kick off this episode with the East Final, which was Edmonton versus Hamilton. Hamilton obviously winning that one 16 to 30, or 36 to 16, sorry. Now, guys, does Jason Moss keep his job after this game? You know, I don't think he does. Like, if I was Brock Sunderland, uh, he'd be gone. Uh, there's there's lots of other good coaches out there that they could take. And I just, I, I don't like Jason Moss as a head coach, so I wouldn't be picking him or trying to sign him if I'm a GM. So I'm saying he gets fired. Uh, I'm sort of, like, I it's weird, because, like, after this game, I kind of understand why they'd want to keep him. Because, I mean... You know, you make it You make it past Montreal. Nobody's really expecting you to... I mean, for a while there, everyone was expecting you to choke out of the playoffs, you know, and not even get in. You make it to the finals, or the East final at least, you know? That's still nothing to sneeze at, so... It depends on what the coaching landscape looks like. I know that there's still already... Like, there's already some names out there. But it's like, yeah, it's... I wouldn't be shocked, but I wouldn't keep them around. There's a lot of talent flowing around involving coaches, especially with Rick Campbell hanging around and being an Edmonton native. I think you should ask Jason Moss, are you, would you be willing to stay in an offensive coordinator capacity? And if he says no, show him the door and kind of look more at your options and what you can bring in because there is coaching talent out there that they could go and acquire. And... Yeah, I just, I don't think Jason Moss really has the professionalism to be a head coach in the CFL. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Now, what sealed Edmonton's fate in this game? Uh, I honestly think it was a little bit of everything. Like, uh, they couldn't get drives going when they needed them to. They would get stalled and have to punt. And, I mean, their defense gave up a uh, hundred plus yards to two receivers and a touchdown. So their DBs definitely weren't helping either. So I, I think it's a bit of combination of offense and defense. Uh, they just they couldn't compete, and they let Hamilton put up 36 points, and they could only get 16. So, yeah, I, I think it's both. Um, I, think, uh, I think there's more emphasis on, uh, on the defense kind of letting them down. Because I'm looking, you know, it's my favorite stat. One of my favorite stats, at least, is the average, like whether it's the average catch or the average pass. And Dane Evans is almost throwing 20 yards, like, average. He's throwing 18.4 average yards per, like, completion. Like, you, that's just way too much. Like, you know, you say someone has a good game when they're throwing over 10, he's almost getting to 20. Like, you can't do that, and that's, like, that can't be the normal for an entire game. I think that's a big piece on why they lost. 
I also think it was a combination of untimely turnovers by the Eskimo offense and really their defense didn't answer the call this week. They underperformed pretty much all around. Like you said, they let Dane Evans have one heck of a game and yeah, when they tried to drive it, the Edmonton offense, they usually got picked off or they would stall. So it was a failing on both sides of the team. And, yeah, that's why they're out of the playoffs. Exactly. So, who is better this game? The Ticat the defense or offense? Who do you think is better overall? Uh, I think their defense played well, but I think their offense played better. They put up 36 points, pretty much. Uh, you know, they they had two receivers with over 100 yards on... Uh, 11 catches and a touchdown. So uh, I think their offense played better for sure. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, looking at it, sort of like, you know, two two receivers added up to 230. And then if you add two more receivers, that's over 300 because, you know, uh, Coombs and Acklin, they didn't have necessarily, like, you know, they had a pretty solid game themselves, racking up 54 yards and 45, respectively. So, yeah, I think their offense was uh, definitely the better side today. But, like, no... Like um, no disrespect to the Hamilton defense, who you know held Edmonton only sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I think Hamilton's offense is honestly a better asset than their defense, just with the receiving core they have. I know we had that debate: who is better, Calgary or Hamilton? I think that debate's been answered. I think it's Hamilton. And yeah. Dane Evans is getting it done right now, so I think it's their offense. So, on to the heartbreaking game this week for Taylor and I because we're Ryder fans and the happy dance one for Carter because he's a Bomber fan. The Winnipeg Blue oh. Bombers beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at Mosaic Stadium 20-13. to Now, first question is... What sunk the riders? Try not to foreshadow, because we also have a question about this later. Yeah. Uh, it's a tough one to get over the way that ends. But uh, yeah. I think what did it in was not getting in the end zone, not capitalizing on uh, field position, and not finishing drives. Um, I, I really think that's what it came down to. Um, yeah, like, the defense didn't play bad. They... They held Winnipeg to 20 points, and you should be able to win if your opponent scores 20 points in the CFL. But obviously, you have to score more. So, yeah, I really think that that was the problem. They just couldn't get in the end zone, and that's what sunk them. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird. It was like looking at it, it was almost like, you know, it was just sort of... I don't want to say Winnipeg wanted it more, because like, I feel like that's really disrespectful to Saskatchewan, but like it really looked that way. Like, you know, on the one-yard line, third and goal. You know, I, I expected I expected them to literally just try and force it through the middle. And as soon as you try to do that, sort of, you put your side to the... You put your side to the line and you try and, like, go to the side. That gives the, that gives the defense so much more time to make a play. So, I mean, yeah, it was some sort of, like, lackluster play calling mixed with some of that, so... All right, not to foreshadow my rant, which is probably going to be very PG, um... I would say a lot of it in the early game was stupid penalties that 
the Riders took, whether that be on defense or offense. And the fact that for whatever reason in the first half, they could not get past uh, midfield for the longest time. I don't know if, like, the Bombers put some voodoo magic on that 55-yard line or something, but every time, (laughs) you know, we got to, like, the 40 or the 45, it was either a penalty that took us back or we had to turn it over on downs and just we couldn't get past that line until the end. And then when we did, we could not get it into the end zone. So I think a combination of those two things sunk the riders. I think if they would have been more disciplined in the early game, Winnipeg would have scored less points and they probably would have sustained some longer drives and gotten some more points out of those. And yeah, if they could have gotten it in the end zone, one of those three drives, this might be a very different story. Now, with the play lately of Zach Kolaros, do you think he takes Nichols' job next year? Um, I think Winnipeg has a lot to think about this offseason. The way Zach's playing, leading them to a Grey Cup uh, final run right here. And, uh, you know, Strebler's doing good at his role, not throwing the ball. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, I think they have a lot to think about. and I think it comes down to money and maybe who they can get for cheaper and see what pieces they can build around them. Because no offense to the Winnipeg receivers, I, they didn't have a lot of throwing action this year. And Darvin Adams was out. But Kenny Lawler led the team for passing yards with just over 500. So, um yeah, I mean, you know, I think Kolaros honestly takes the job from Nichols, but time, time will tell. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. Like, if I were to throw something out there, I'd honestly say I don't think Strebler's going to be a Blue Bomber next year. I want him to be. I just don't think he will be. Because, like, I still think that in his mind, he believes that he should be a starter, and I think someone's going to be willing to take a flyer on him. Yeah, So that, that's true. Um, so I'm expecting, you know, it's an and plus it's an easier system to run if you have two quarterbacks who are similar. You don't have to like rebuild the offense if one of them gets hurt. So you you have Kolaris and you have Nichols and you just go into camp and whichever and you just tell them you say, hey, whichever one of you performs best in camp gets that week one starter job and then we'll go from there. And I think that's what you have to do. That's interesting for me now. I think this is more dependent on a. Well, I think Zach has definitely taken Nichols' job, but in relation to if Strebler decides to stay or not, I think that more or less depends on external factors. If Paul Lapelise decides to stay and Kyle Walters can convince him that, hey, this Wildcat offense we run here, it really works with you and we really want you here to tandem with Zach, I think that that'd be a very, very dangerous quarterbacking combo. And I think Nichols is still in the league, even if the Bombers don't get him. Same with Strebler. I think Ottawa's desperate for a quarterback. They'll just take anybody off the street and give them the bag. So, yeah, I I think Zach has done well, and I think the Bombers will reward that. And hopefully they can get him and Strebler under contract. Now, this is a topic in Ryderville that... As soon as the game ended, people were talking about, and I tried not to foreshadow this. Does McAdoo have a job next year after this his awful 
uh, play calling this game? Oh, yeah, it's a tough question going around Ryderville right now. I, I see both sides of the argument. I see the lackluster play calling, uh, you know, using William Powell only eight times during the game. Uh, some of the just the plays that they were running, they're not that creative. So I personally think that he should be let go, but I could see why he's not when they almost had three 1,000-yard receivers. They had a running back with over 1,000. And you think two years ago we did have three 1,000-yard receivers, and last year we had a great run game. So he he's there, but it's like when the time comes and it's clutch time, He's not making the right calls. You know, they're putting Brian Bennett in. I didn't agree with that. So, I, yeah, I don't think he lasts, but I could see him staying. If yeah, I, I hated the Bennett thing, too. I said that last game when they had Harker and Bennett working together. I said they they would have done better if they just had kept Harker in and left Bennett on the sidelines. I don't know why they brought him in because he just stalled drives and did that again this yeah. game. So yeah. Yeah, It My just heart, ki- kills momentum. My- my heart grew three sizes that drive when I saw Brian Bennett take over in the oh! because I knew that it was gonna go wrong. Oh, like, yep. That this loss still hurts. Like, oh my god. I mean, that's it's it's gonna sting. It's rough. I mean, you know, commiserations because you know, he- like one heck of a season for you guys. And I mean, that's I mean to sort of answer the question for me, I I personally, you know, you finished first in the ultra competitive West. And I mean, yeah, you have a disappointing game, but at the end of the day, anybody could have a disappointing game. If Fajardo had a disappointing game in the finals, nobody would be talking about getting, like, getting rid of him. And it's just sort of like, you know, it's, it's just really poor timing for that to be the game where you have the issues. But I mean, that's just the nature of the game. Okay, now time for me to get mad. So, <laughs> McAdoo... For the better part of his time in Ryderville, has been a pretty bad offensive coordinator, and everybody knows it. The fans have known it. I've talked to former players. They know it. It's just everybody knows this guy was not good. And then this year, people are defending him. Oh, I said, hey, finally he's had a good year. And, well, that could be directly correlated to the fact that he has an MOP caliber quarterback there now rather than Zach. and. I know Zach's been decent lately, but Zach definitely was no Cody Fajardo when he was playing here. So, yeah, I think that more has to do with Fajardo's play than McAdoo's play calling, and it really shows this game. Let's look at all of his mistakes in the red zone this game. At the end of the game, I'm not even going to bring up one that Taylor actually talked about off-air that I completely forgot about. So... First time they're down in the red zone. It is second and was it second and one, Taylor? They put Bennett in? Yeah, it was second and one. They put Brian Bennett in in shotgun. I don't know why they put him in shotgun. Serves me, but nonetheless, still second and one. So he goes in and he hands the ball off the wrong way. And gets sacked. Like, you can't make that up. And I don't know why on second and a yard you decide to line up in shotgun and put the quarterback in who has the least amount of reps with the offense. You know, clearly screwed up. 
Well, yeah, I'm just going to interrupt okay, go quick. I like what Luke Mullen, I like what Luke Mullender said. Like, you know, Fajardo's driving, and who's the guy that usually hands the ball off during the game? It's Fajardo. Oh. So why you why are you taking the guy out that does that? And you could have the option to pass too if he's in. exactly. And again, Wildcat. I'm not a fan of Wildcat offenses. The only time I've seen it work is in Winnipeg, but. Yeah, he killed drives in that game against Edmonton. You saw that. You had the opportunity to learn from it, and you chose not to. And you paid the price on that drive. And uh, may I may I interject? Go for something? it. Um, I know that before the game, Fajardo was stating that you know he's got he's got his obliques issues. Yeah. And that if he felt like he wasn't able to compete and help out the team, he, he was gonna sit. He was pull, He was gonna pull himself out of the yep. game. I wonder if that's what happened. I don't think so. And then and then after and then after the Bennett thing, coach just saw that and was like, "Nope, get back out there. Don't care." No, so, I think I think if that was the case, I think they would have put Harker in cuz he also has that throwing threat and he can run too. So that yeah, that's where I was kind of like that's what I was kind of thinking, but like, you know, yeah, it's a good point yeah. with Harker too. So it's like kind of Cuz they did that when Harker was playing too. They put Bennett in in the red zone and it just it did work both times. So Mistake number two by McAdoo. It's first and three yards. He decides to not do the same thing and run the ball, either hand off to Powell or just drive it in a QB sneak. He decides to drop back and throw. And that results in an incompletion. So now it's second and three, which is much harder. And it finally occurs to him, hmm, maybe it'd be a good idea to run the ball. So he runs it to Powell, they get two yards. And so they're on the goal line, and credit to the Winnipeg defense, they made a really strong goal line stand to turn the ball over on downs. Now, uh, it baffles me why on first and three you think throwing the ball is a good idea. You obviously should run in that situation, so, you know, if you even get one yard per play, you're in the end zone. But said, nope, we're going to throw it here, which I didn't understand at all. And they came up with nothing. So I don't think he put his players and his team in a good spot to have success there either. And then the last drive, the drive that was do or die time, they're on the four-yard line. And... Again, rather than running the ball, he decides to drop back and pass. And I don't know what happened to the O-line, but they vanished, and Cody took sacks, so it was second and eight. And he threw an incompletion, and then crossbar and ball game. So, yeah, I think a lot of that had to do with McAdoo's inept play calling as to why they didn't get in the end zone one of those three drives, and I think if you had a more competent coordinator in there for even one of those drives, I think they would have scored, and the game probably would have been won by the Riders, but here we are. So, yeah, I, I think he's gone after this year. I think they look elsewhere for a coordinator. Maybe if Jason Moss gets the boot in Edmonton, he comes here as an offensive coordinator. I certainly wouldn't mind that. I would. Really? You didn't you don't want Moss as a coordinator. <laughs> no, I, I don't want Moss in 
in Ryderville. No, I I don't like him as uh, like he was an okay quarterback, but I don't like him in coaching position. Not on my team. He can go somewhere else, but not on my <laughs> team. Jeez, am I being too harsh on McAdoo, or do you think a lot of what I said was justified? No, I mean the stats are there. The wrong plays are on the field. Like we we can see it, and it's not just last week. It's it's happened before, and who if he stays, it'll happen again. Let's let's hope yeah. not. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't think you were too harsh. I see both sides, but I don't think you were too harsh. I mean, you can like you know I'm. Definitely more on, like, I just know more about the Bombers because that's my team. But, like, anybody can, like, I have people, like, I was talking to about the game, people who aren't as much of a CFL fan as I am, but they've watched the game because, obviously, divisional finals. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were telling me just Saskatchewan didn't look put together. Like, they just, yeah, there were, like, a lot of issues that didn't look like they were player issues, just looked like they kind of just didn't have the best ideas on what to yeah. do. But yeah, that falls back on the coaching. And also another play that Taylor pointed out, at the end of the quarter, they had an opportunity to kind of get a quick pass off and get a field goal, but I don't know if Cody called an audible or what happened, but they took way too long to get the playoff, and by the time that one play was completed... The half was over. They couldn't attempt a field goal. So, if Cody, yeah, I, th- I think Dickinson, I think Dickinson said he took the blame for that one after the game. He thought he had more time on the clock, but I, I don't think that's acceptable. that's the second time that's, that's happened, rookie... hasn't it? Or the third time? Yeah, like that's a, I think so. Like that's a rookie coaching mistake. I'm not going to blame the game on him. The players couldn't get in the end zone, but uh, yeah, that that was not a good sign. Like Powell had the big run. You had a nice catch to get almost in field goal range, and then yeah, you just. You can't take that timeout that you have there. Yeah, for me, I would I would put equal blame on Fajardo or Dickinson because either of them could have called the timeout and either of them could have looked at the clock and seen there was only a couple seconds and been like, okay, timeout. Cody is like, I saw this, so we're going to switch the play. And then, boom, you're back, you know? And yeah, you have time to kick that field goal. But yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it's frustrating as a Ryder fan to watch. There were so many opportunities to win that game, and I think the coaching really let us down. I wonder if that kind of gave Winnipeg some momentum. Like, you know, you see that, and they're sort of they're starting to march. They're starting to get forward, and then all of a sudden, boom, end of yeah. the quarter. And that's three points that you've pretty much just kind of gotten away with. So, you know, they run in sort of feeling good because, like, that's three points that they should have had, but they don't. You know, you get in there, you're feeling good because now you have that little bit of an extra cushion. Yep, uh, I I kind of agree with that. That it definitely could have given them momentum. Again, I'm not a yeah bomber fan, but it certainly could have helped that team out for sure. So on to CFL fantasy for value picks. Again, there really isn't any. I almost went with none, but. I ended up choosing Anthony Coombs. He had a decent receiving game last week, so I think if you're absolutely desperate enough for a value pick this week, I think he's really your only option. Yeah, I agree. Like you could say Janarian Grant, but Hamilton has a good like special team game on special or special like kicks and stuff. So yeah, I, I think you're spot on. There's not really any value picks this week. 
Yeah, exactly. It's just sort of like, you know, it's it's the it's the two teams in the Great Cup. You're not going to get a lot of low prices. For sure. Now we move on to our best positional options. At quarterback, we just have Dane Evans at $9,753. What do you guys think? Uh, well, I think you're right. I got Dane in my lineup, and it's you could pick Strevler or Caleros or David Watford, but <laughs> Strevler's only going to get you some rushing yards. Caleros might get you 180 or 200 passing yards, maybe a touchdown. And David Watford will get you two rushing touchdowns. So they're all pretty risky. But Dane is consistent, so I'd stick with Dane. Yeah, exactly. He's just, he's, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like the homer in me is really trying to find an argument. But there just isn't one. I mean, Dane Evans is the most complete package for fantasy for the quarterbacks that are still available. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Like, like Claros and Strebler are a good combo, but not for fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Now, on to our running backs. We have two options here. We have Andrew Anabolic-Harris at $8,503. And Cam Marshall right now, but if Terrell Sutton comes back, uh, he obviously this would change. Marshall is listed at $5,632. What do you guys think? Yeah, I got Marshall in my lineup, and... If you can afford Harris, take him. If it's cold, they're really going to use him. So both good picks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm trying to see if I can fit Harris into my lineup. I might have to do a little bit of uh, readjusting. But, I mean, yeah, uh, it's, it's going to – I'm assuming it's going to be a cold game. Hamilton, it's, uh, it's going to be windy as well. So it always is – well, no, it's actually not. It's a Calgary. What am I saying? But it is cold in Calgary. So, sure. Yeah. So it's going to be – a. It's going to be weird. I'm sorry. I started going off on a tangent on the complete wrong subject. It's fine. <laughs> uh, and, we're even the, and we're the designated home team. What was I on about? Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So on to our receivers. We have Braylon Addison at $10,175. Darvin Adams at $6,641. And Jalen Ackland at $4,093. Anyone else you guys would pick? Uh, no, I got Braylon in my lineup, and just because I could afford him, I picked Drew Wolitarski at thirty-five eighty-three. Uh, he had he had uh, a couple, or he had what one catch last week? No, two catches for forty-four yards. Not the best stats, but if you're looking for a cheaper option, I don't, I don't think he's the worst pick. Yeah, what were we what were we calling a value pick? Uh, Thirty-five and under. Yeah, just barely missing out on that because Wolitowski would have been a good grab for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've got I've got Adams in my lineup. Um, I I think you know he's just like he's a really good receiver. He doesn't get a lot of credit because you know it's a we have a run centric offense, but you know you've seen it in, against Calgary and against to a lesser extent, but you still saw it against Saskatchewan. He's really good. Absolutely. Now. On to our locks for this week. I have Andrew Harris. I think he's going to be really juiced up for this game. I think he's really going to elevate <laughs> his physical play. And, yeah, I think he's your guy this week if you're looking for picks. Just not going to let it go, no. hey? Hey, he's, he's going to be drinking. He's going to be drinking clean, approved protein shakes from the Great Cup after this Are you game. making sure of that, Carter? Ooh. I am making sure of that. 
Um, I got Braylon Addison for my lock. Uh, you know, he had seven catches, 130 yards, 20 fantasy points last week. He's one of the most consistent players in the CFL for fantasy, and I mean overall, so I think he's a good lock. And I'm, I said he's in my lineup before. I'm going with Darvin Adams. I mean, it's just every game, Caleros and Adams seem to get that little bit of more chemistry, and it's like, if you get any amount of separation, Caleros is going to put the ball where he needs to. And Darvin Adams, once he gets that, I mean, I was surprised that play from the three wasn't taken to the house against Saskatchewan. Like, that was a miracle that, uh, I don't know who was covering him, but the fact that he caught up, I was like, that's a real play. Like, that's a good tackle. Um, like, I think that's, no, that, they still scored a touchdown on that drive, but potentially touchdown saving tackle there. Sure. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's just, he's been really solid. He's been like, he was a thousand yard receiver in the past. So, you know, the talent's there. It's just sort of been hidden underneath the whole Andrew Harris, Traveler running, you know, that whole thing. Yep. For sure. Now on to our CFL news. CFL veteran wide receiver Kari, Bakari Grant has announced his retirement. In U-Sport news, the Vanny Cup is going on. It'll be the Calgary Dinos versus, the Montre- versus Montreal in the Vanny Cup. Contract talks with Kahari Jones in Montreal have started and should be done very soon. Edmonton is having meetings with Jason Moss about his job status next year. And this one's kind of sad and funny at the same time. So, you may have seen on social media the Hamilton organiza- Hamilton Tiger Cats paid Brett Favre and some other celebrity. Does anyone know his name? Flava Flav? Uh, yeah, Flava Flav. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's please. who it was. <laughs> okay. So, they paid Brett Favre and Flava Flav to support the tie cats but they left the name of the service they did this with called cameo in Got a cameo. <laughs> yep where i think i think the craziest part sorry to interrupt the craziest part is that like they're obviously reading off a script oh and oh yeah rap farve rap farve it says i could you can tell it says on the script like ha ha, ha. And he literally just says ha ha. He doesn't ha, even ha. laugh. And like that was the funniest. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't laugh naturally. It was ha ha, and it was yeah. like oh my yeah, Canadian, God. Canadian football. It, ha, it's ha. so it's so sad. Like I don't know as a Hamilton <laughs> fan, you can be happy about this unless you don't know what cameo is. And for those of you who maybe are a little older and don't know, cameo is an online service where you can pay celebrities to say certain things like a birthday message or something typically like that but Hamilton used this in a way to show hey these guys are supporting us but they left the cameo thing in there so it's like we know you paid them to say that and like you said the Brett Favre one was obviously scripted and I mean Flava Flav guy he even said when he said Oski Wee Wee he's like I don't know what the heck that means you know and (laughs) at least at least, like, you know, I mean, I can't believe it. Like, Hamilton, you have Ric Flair. I know you used him last year, but just do the I mean, again. yeah, they did pay him, too, like, but, I mean, they even have... He actually least, went to the game, yeah. At least he was natural and wore a jersey in the video. Yeah, went to the that. game. But he was he went to the game, too. Like, he gave them a pregame speech he actually, and things yeah. like that. Like, he can Yeah, and then you even have non, you know, 
guys that you haven't paid that are Tigast fans was like, uh, Tom Hanks went to the Grey Cup in 2013 wearing yeah, TieCast Tom stuff. Tom Hanks and Martin Sheen. Yeah, like, those are some pretty big names. You could have just asked them to do it, and maybe you wouldn't have to pay them, or you wouldn't have to really have it be that obvious, you know? Well, literally, Even... literally it would have been as easy as, hey, we'll send you a free jersey. Yeah, Done. exactly. And... One... They could even even got to like the former Ticat Eric Harris, who's playing for the Oakland Raiders. That I, I thought had he did two pick sixes. I thought he did. Uh, well, he did a couple games ago, yeah. but you know they could do something for the for the East Final in the Great Cup. Yeah, Cab. for sure. People would love that. Like even uh, I brought this up too, because Snoop Dogg did something for the Riders, and Riders didn't pay him jack. You know, so I I will say he was on tour, and he wear he wears the the jersey of the. Like the place where he's at. For was his, he touring in Saskatchewan? Really? I, I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he went to Saskatoon. Oh, jeez. That's why he wore the dress. Okay, jersey. that makes yeah. sense then. But um, thanks to some investigating by the True North CFL podcast, we found out what they paid these guys. Brett Favre, they paid five hundred dollars for that, which is just wow. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. You don't even get a natural laugh. You get a ha ha, Hamilton. Brett Favre laughing his way to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> Easiest 500 bucks I ever exactly. made. Exactly. And Flava Flame was also paid $250 for his spiel. So that that's, I, I decided to end news with kind of a funny little bit about Hamilton. Well, I mean, the Bombers like to take some shots on social media every now and then from teams. Just some friendly shots, so I wouldn't be surprised if they mentioned that. I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if they paid one of those two celebrities to support them. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah, the ultimate that troll. Would, that would be, yeah, that, that would, would be, be even best. better. Like, I thought Edmonton was going to do that in the West Final. I thought they were going to be like, yo, Brett Favre, go support Edmonton, you know? But that would have been that, the that's the best troll job if... Anyone in the bomber staff or organization is listening to this, please make that happen. Because that would be absolutely oh my gold. God. You wanna you wanna make everybody in the CFL support you, even Ryder fans? That's Okay, if the Bobbers did yeah. that admittedly, I would fully support them. Like if they did that you good of a all, troll job. You want all the fans you all want you yeah. want all the fans on a one time loan to support you, do it. <laughs> Now on to the Grey Cup question, because obviously there's just one game this week, and it's the big game. So, which matchup is more interesting for you guys? Bombers offense versus the Hamilton defense, or the Hamilton defense versus the Winnipeg defense? Or the Hamilton offense versus Winnipeg defense? There we uh, go. I think the Winnipeg offense versus Hamilton defense is more intriguing. This will be Zach Caleros, like... You know, he faced Calgary's defense, uh, and then he faced Saskatchewan's, and now he's facing Hamilton's. Like, it's just kind of been going up the ladder. So for me, that's the most intriguing to see if he can get it done against Hamilton's defense. Um, for me, I'm going the other way around. I'm going uh, Hamilton offense versus Winnipeg defense. Uh, I'm going with that because I just feel like, you know, you talk about Hamilton, you talk mainly about their offense. You talk about Winnipeg. I mean, as of late, you're starting to talk about Kaleos more, but for the most part, you're talking about their defense. It's really just like those are like the, you know, those are just what they're known for. So it's going to be cool to see those pretty much like, yeah, best offense versus arguably best defense. You know, they can make a case for some teams that aren't here. But, you know, it's going to be really cool to see that clash. I'm excited for that. But yeah, they're both really good. 
For me, I think it's for sure the Hamilton offense and Winnipeg defense because those are the best two units of those teams going at it. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what Hamilton can do to that Winnipeg defense or if that Winnipeg defense can shut down Hamilton. So I think that's probably your most interesting matchup. Now, on to our final segment, predictions. Or, I guess, prediction, again, one game. So, <laughs> for me, I have Hamilton winning. All around, I just think they're a better team. And they've had a great year. I just, I think they win it. Yeah, I want to agree with you. Like, my, my head tells me that Hamilton wins. But there's something in my gut that's telling me that Winnipeg pulls it off somehow. I don't want them to. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Carter, as a Ryder fan. You guys can't have one more recent than us. <laughs> so I, I want Hamilton to win, but I think Winnipeg pulls it off somehow. I mean, I've been, like, you know, I've sort of felt like I've been a homer recently saying that Winnipeg was going to beat Calgary and that Winnipeg was going to beat Saskatchewan. But that's not changing. I think we do it. I think we go all the way. I really, really do. I think Caleros is just going to keep improving because I don't think he's at his peak yet with this team. I think, like, props to Dane Evans. He's great. But I think, you know, he knows his personnel. He knows 100% of what he's doing. That's sort of, he's going to do what he's going to do. You're not really expecting anything more from him at this point. Caleros is still learning. And that's a scary thought. He's not at 100% yet. I, I don't think he is, at least. That's why I'm going with Winnipeg. Because I feel like they have so much more room to grow from where we saw them against Saskatchewan to where we're going to see them in the Great Cup. Oh, no doubt, yeah. I just think that's going to get better. Part of me is like, where the hell was this when he was playing in Saskatchewan? But, yeah, for me, it's, I think, that's a fair argument. And, sure, it'd be nice to, for Winnipeg to win a Grey Cup in my lifetime, but at the same time, <laughs> not all Bomber fans are very humble. So, I know they'd be holding that over the Ryder fans' heads for a while that, they finally won one, but hey, well, it's going to be a great game regardless. And oh yeah. yeah, if if you if you can't watch the game, then fix your schedule and watch the game. Yeah, if you're not, it's going to be. I am expecting it to, whether it's whether it's a low scoring game or a high scoring game, it's going to have you the entire time. It's going to grab you and it's going to keep your attention. Sure. What do you guys think the point differential is going to be? Uh, I, I think it's going to be a tight game. Like, it'll be, like, a touchdown or, or less, like, seven or less. I'm kind of in the same ballpark, but I think that the team that's winning is going to get, like, a late touchdown in garbage time to sort of seal it. I think it's going to be around 10 to 14. Oh, yeah, I could Maybe. I'm, I'm actually with Taylor on this one. I think it's going to come down to some last-minute heroics by whichever team has the ball last. I think this game comes to within seven I, points. I can't I can't take that. I can't take that. I'm like my my heart I'm sorry, crazy. but the way these teams are matched up, it's just I, that's how I it's know, gonna be. I'm, I know, I know that it's probably gonna be that way. And I've sorta of answered the question because I really want to avoid it being that close, but like oh it's gonna be it's gonna be good. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be scary for a lot of that game. Absolutely. Be sure to tune into that game as well as the Vanier Cup, which is on the day before, I believe. So that'll also be an interesting game, Calgary versus Montreal. 
and there'll be some very notable CFL prospects in that game. A Adam Sinegra being the obvious one there. So be sure to tune into both of those games. That concludes the show. You can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Now we will have an episode next week. I'm not sure how long it's going to be because we're, we're planning on doing off-season off specials with this show as well. So we may end up having a really short show next week and then doing a longer one the week after. It depends how everything works out. But we'll give you guys further information on the next show. Thank you for listening. This is the True North CFL Podcast signing off.